Hey everyone, welcome to the fifth episode of the Cheesy Controller Podcast. I'm your host, Anton LaFlat. With me as always is Jalen Roberts. Hello. And Chris Montalbano. What's up? We have a jam-packed show for you guys this week. It's our special E3 predictions episode. This week we'll be covering Tekken 7, Capcom's excellent PR recently, Overwatch's one-year anniversary and seasons four and five, the Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon announcements, from a couple days ago, Final Fantasy XIV's upcoming Stormblood expansion, as well as our annual E3 predictions. Alright, so starting off, Jalen, you just got Tekken 7 a few days ago, and you have some impressions? Yeah, it's fun. I didn't realize how much I missed having a 3D fighter like Soul Calibur, Tekken, Sweet. in a long time. And with Street Fighter V not being that good, in my opinion, it's nice to have like a really good fighting game to play, especially with Marvel's Capcom being, like, a couple of months off. Yeah, and I mean, Marvel's Capcom Infinite is going to be back down to 2D, but as far as the 2D category goes, I have the 20, all of the 2016 characters for Street Fighter V and the season pass for 2017, and I know that game's really flat, but when you are just in the game playing like i know there's not a lot of substance to that game but like what is there to me is fun but i could see like injustice 2 just came out and tekken 7 just came out and i feel like a lot of people are like swooping in to just completely eat capcom's lunch because it they messed up street fighter 5 and they're not giving people like such a bright outlook towards cap marvel vs capcom infinite yeah especially with the the full roster list isn't even out yet, but we already know the fact that Sigma's going to be DLC. But with Tekken 7, you have a lot of good characters, and you have the characters from old Tekken, you've got some new characters, and with this being a 3D fighter, the control schemes are simpler, like, mm-hmm. in its own way, so strings are, so it's more about strings than doing quarter circles. Like, it's four buttons... And you have a direction on your stick. Word. And then we have the story mode. So you ever wanted to know what ha- what God of War would be like if it was just completely Japanese people in modern Jap- Japan? Yeah, that's the storyline for Tekken 7. Akuma shows up, there's a lot of fighting, it's amazing. So it's Japanese God of War? Yep. Sweet. I've always wanted that. And Tekken 7, how much of it, how much of the story have you completed? Uh, I'm about four chapters in. About four chapters in. Have you gotten to any of the parts where it flashes back to older Tekkens? Yes. So they have... I was playing as young Kazuya. They have, like, vignettes from other Tekken games. Like, they have, like, full motion video cutscenes. Mm-hmm. So, like, if somebody flashes back to something that happened in Tekken 3, they'll just play the scene from Tekken 3. Right there. So Dang, it's really good dope. as like a nostalgia. Like Tekken 7 just seems to be like Tekken's back in a big way. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And then it's a really good game. That's really all I can say about it. It's a good game. It feels competitive. Runs and smooth. it's fun. Of course it runs smooth. Okay. Gotta make sure. Great. I have no problems with it. And you're still on a regular PS4. Because I've heard a lot of people talking about it on PS4 Pro, but I just wanted to... I haven't heard any impressions of anybody who has played it on a regular PS4. On a regular PS4, it runs 
it runs like any other game. You don't notice anything less. It's just perfect. Okay, so 60 or 30? 60. 60. Fighting games tend to run at 60 because frame data. Yeah. Okay, so Tekken 7, 60 frames per second on a regular PS4. Um, comprehensive story. Great character roster. Just really doing everything that we wish Street Fighter Five did. Yeah. What was it, almost two years ago now? Yeah. Coming up on almost two years since that game came out. All right, so switching from Tekken 7, we can switch over to Street Fighter V's developer, Capcom. And they didn't mess everything up recently. They released the fabulous Resident Evil 7, which Chris and Jalen I know love. Mm-hmm. And I'm still waiting to... I'm waiting on that game because I just have so much on my plate still. Like, I've been playing more Nier Automata, Overwatch, as always. But, Chris, you said you had something you wanted to mention about Capcom? Yeah, Capcom released a video. It's something I really appreciated because I was looking... At the end of the game, you get told you're going to get a free DLC that's coming out in spring. Well, it's spring, and I was trying to figure out, does it have a release date yet, nor when are we getting this? So I looked it up, and apparently they released a video stating that their DLC was getting delayed. But also they apologized because for the delay, but at the same time said that their DLC wasn't as good as the main game. And since the main game sold so well and everyone loved it so much, they said the customer, the gamer, didn't deserve getting that DLC after what they just played. So they're not just like, it just got delayed because they're messing up, but they just decided we deserve better and so they're starting over with it and I really appreciate that they're caring about this game going forward and not trying to like and keep us happy and give us the best that they can give us okay and so the survival horror aspect yeah I mean I, that's great seeing like developer transparency across the industry it's just something that's nice to see because we're yeah. people you're people we understand like if it's something you're promising Shigeru Miyamoto, I want to say, has the famous quote, uh, bad game is bad forever. A delayed game that turns out good, the delay is forgotten once the game comes out. True. Which I know I totally butchered that quote, but that is... we got the idea. Yeah, and more and more developers are saying things like that, which is why more and more games are getting delayed... And but we also have things like Overwatch. Yeah, but that's yeah. also why the EA looked bad when Mass Effect turned out looking bad. They shouldn't have delayed it. Bioware asked for delay. It was twenty eight hours of cutscenes they had to go through. Yeah. So we have no man. We have a lot of examples of developers not being transparent when they really needed to be. Yeah. Such as like No Man's Sky, but. Overwatch, the one-year anniversary, the entire structure of the event is celebrating not only what Overwatch has become in the first year and branching out of, like, their typical mold for the first time. Like, the skins we're getting are, like, completely different from anything we've seen before. We're getting dance emotes, which are way more complex than almost every other emote we've gotten so far. Then we have the voice lines, a lot of the voice lines and character interactions that they added to the game for the one year anniversary are entirely based off of things that came entirely from the community. Yeah. So Soldier's voice line is, I'm not your dad. 
and we have like more just over the top Reinhardt. Yeah, and then also like back to the dances. The dances are references to like yeah, to, every anim- to everything. Actually, everything's a reference. Yeah, everything's a reference. We have like Fresh Prince references. We have Haruhi Suzumiya's references from the dance. We just the- have the Overwatch one year anniversary. It just seems to be a love letter to everything the Overwatch team loves and everything that the Overwatch community has made of the game. Yeah. So, talking talking about the anniversary, um, season four ended around the time the anniversary event started, and season four we haven't gotten a chance to talk about it extensively on the podcast yet. But season four is or was just completely devastating for I know Chris and my like our yeah. season ranks tanked. I was golden seasons one, two, and three. And then I was silver in season four, and then I dropped down into bronze numbers in season four. So. Yeah, it was like there's a certain point to where it was just like from 1400 to 1500, I was just up and down. I couldn't get past it. And I feel like you get stuck into that just bronze hell. You call that Elo hell. And you're just like, well, I'm going to get all the way up there, work my ass off, about next game could go 1500. And then someone's leaving or someone's fucking up and you're just like, I'm just going to be stuck here forever. Yeah, we need to start grouping up more. But that brings us to season five where so far I was having a great experience. I did my placement matches, uh, six wins, three losses and a draw. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's more than a 50% win rate. So... I felt good coming out of it, and then as soon as I placed, I placed back into silver, about 200 points below where I was at the end of last season. Dang. That's about where people are saying they're placing the season. Yes, but I feel like this season, I've been trying to play at least one competitive game per day, and I feel like we've been actually focusing more on playing doubles and triples instead of, I was doing a lot of solo queue towards the end of season four, And I've realized not only with season rank, but also with ELO and your MMR, those are the hidden systems behind the numbers Mm -hmm. that actually determine your season rank and, like, who you get matched against. And I realized my MMR is in platinum. I was playing with Madrid. He had finished his uh, placement matches the second day of season five. And he was in Platinum, and I was playing placement games against Platinum teams and winning. This was when we had that six-win streak. Mm -hmm. And so I realized that my MMR is in Platinum, but for some reason I'm still silver when I got my season rank. And so I've been needing you guys to play doubles with me, but um, just leading into Season 5, just so we can have this game a day be more consistent and climb more. Mm Mm-hmm. Alright, so anything more on Overwatch, you guys? No. So, a couple days ago, there was a Pokemon Direct, and they announced three things at this Pokemon Direct. It wasn't what anyone was thinking. We thought we'd get a main series Pokemon game on the Switch. We thought we'd get Pokemon Stars. We thought some people were crazy enough to think we'd get Generation 8, which I knew wasn't happening. There were rumors of a Diamond and Pearl remake, because it's Diamond and Pearl's time. There were rumors of maybe another red and blue remake because be cool. 
Um, when the initial Switch rumors were going around, Pokemon Stars, they said it wouldn't just simply be the um, Alola region over again, that it might have homages to like the origins of Pokemon. And Alola definitely references Kanto a lot. It references yeah. Johto in certain places. It definitely has, like your player character is from Kanto. Nice. So there's a lot of ties between the Lola and Kanto, like Professor Oak's cousin is there, mm -hmm. Red and Blue from the original games are there. So there were a lot of hints in Sun and Moon that hinted that maybe we would be getting like a Red, Blue, and Green remake within Stars or something like that, like a second, like a second region, how it was in Gold and Silver, mm -hmm. but just in Lola where you go to Kanto and you do that. That'd but we got the first thing we got announced was Pokin Tournament DX, which is just Pokin Tournament that was originally for the Wii U, and I have, and we actually need to play that game. I've played it a few times. It's okay. I mean, yeah, and I'm not playing it. You like Tekken and you like Pokemon. Why would you not play Pokin? Because how are you not going to put Swampert in it? Oh, yeah. You said you were not going to play that game until they put Swampert, and they put. Now we have actually Dusidai, so we have a Gen Seven Pokemon before we have Swampert, and we have but they have Blazing the other two, <laughs> and we had the that came out around the time of Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, which so it really doesn't make sense to me why you never got Swampert because right. Mega Swampert in that game makes so much sense, but yeah, so we got Pokin. Tournament DX for the Switch, and they announced Gen 2 remakes. Not Gen 2 remakes. Well, Gen 2 re-releases on the Virtual Console on 3DS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time so, to get silver. Right. You can replay gold and silver the same way you were able to replay red, blue, and yellow for the 20th Wait, anniversary. Wait, did it put crystal on there? I no, don't just, remember seeing I crystal. I just saw silver and gold. Okay, because yeah. they did all three with uh, Generation 1. I feel like crystal would be harder to implement. Yeah. versus, like, Pokemon Yellow wasn't that fundamentally different from Red and Blue, but Crystal was very different. We had, like, moving sprites. It was, like, a, a lot more to be done Point. Yeah. to that game. So, maybe Crystal's on there, and maybe we're wrong, but I don't. I just remember seeing Gold and Silver. Mm -hmm. The last thing that was announced, which we only got, like, a 30-second trailer, but it was Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Which is exciting to me. It wasn't what I really wanted, but to me it's very exciting because so far in the Pokemon series, if ever they do a sequel or a continuation of a generation within a closer time span instead of going to another generation or doing a remake, the product we get is always like way better. And Sun and Moon have been my favorite Pokemon games in years. Yeah. And so now they're giving us a continuation of the story where, like, you traveled all around Alola and there were things being built, there were things in progress, and I've seen theories about maybe one of the islands has been completely terraformed by an active volcano, and so it's a lot of story elements that, like, that they left kind of hanging that we were expecting. Mm. We were, the entire time we were expecting, maybe we'd get Pokemon Z, or maybe we'd get... Sun and Moon 2, or maybe we'd get stars on the Switch, but we knew there would be a continuation to Sun and Moon at some point. And so now we have Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, and 
I need to look up the Ultra Beast, but so far the only two Pokemon we've seen, well, we've seen like Pikachus and we've seen Dusidai and we've seen like certain Pokemon that we know from the Alola region and before, but apparent, one of the things they said in the announcement trailer is there'd be new Pokemon. So mm -hmm. maybe Generation 7, like we haven't seen everything that's there yet. Which would be extremely interesting because Gen 7 has had some of the best Pokemon designs, in my opinion, since like the fourth generation. So like fifth and sixth generation, they kind of fell off with their designs. Yeah. They didn't really put as much into it, but I feel like the seventh generation is really strong. So the key Pokemon you've seen were Lunaga and so Sogaglio. Um, which were the Pokemon from Sun and Moon, and they fused with one of the Ultra Beasts, which I can't find the name of the Ultra Beast, but it's the Black Ultra Beast from Sun and Moon. Um, it actually motivated me to pick back up Sun, and I completed another trial. I'm working on the Grand Trial for the last island, I think, mm -hmm. so I'm ramping up to beat the Pokemon League, or catch the legendary Pokemon, beat the Pokemon League, beat the game, I don't think there's much end game stuff in this one. Like a lot of it is, a lot of the end game stuff is PVP, and that's never really my cup of tea in Pokemon games. Just because like so many people are so meta, there's such a strong meta to Pokemon games mm -hmm. that I like the single player. I never like the point. I never like doing end game content that is PVP. So, and that seems to be the. Sh a lot of people wanted that, and that seemed to be what a lot of people liked about Sun and Moon, is you had a strong story, and then it led into a strong, like, they focused on the meta, they, like, had mega evolutions, they had Z-moves, they, like, it's been the most complex battle system in a Pokemon game yet, but then mm -hmm. the in-game the in battle system is really, it'll explain a lot to you. Like, you see, you can check your moves, you see how effective they are against which Pokemon you see, a lot more information on each move you can do and the implementations of everything you do. Mm -hmm. Like, that a lot of people knew off the top of their hand, like, but people like me who hadn't played Pokemon as hardcore in a long time, like, I've played every main series except Black 2 and White 2, but I haven't been deep into a Pokemon game since Diamond and Pearl. Mm hmm and so this getting back to this and actually feeling like I can dig deep into it and get into like the meat of the meta of it it's good to know that that information is more upfront and like presented to you in a better way than like looking at a wiki and looking at like your trainer number and doing some calculations based on like your pokemon EV and IV training is right there for you you know it's, everything is just way more well presented in Sun and Moon. So seeing that, the That's next cool. iteration of that in Ultra Sun and Moon will be great. Nice. So next we have Final Fantasy fourteen is getting a Stormblood expansion soon. Yeah, it's the new expansion. And it adds two new classes, two new DPS classes. So tank and healers, you're just going to get balancing. But it's the Samurai for melee DPS which is high damage up front. Um, you learn, you charge up your sword by learn, basically using ninjutsu, just fancy samurai terms for it. And 
you have the red mage, which is basically just a black mage. A black mage that does less damage but has more utility. Okay. So it's cool. another um, damage support class, like bards. Alright, and I was hearing if you get a red mage or a samurai that you can just boost to well, level 50? They start at level 50. Okay, and that means you can do all the new content with those new classes? or no? Well, no. See, the problem, and this is the reason why I struggle with staying into Final Fantasy, unlike Warcraft, is because to get to play Stormblood, you have to get through the main story. And you have to finish the main story of Heaven's Ward, the current expansion. Okay. And to do that, so if, let's say, you decide to play, you would first have to get through A Realm Reborn. You have to do the entire main story of A Realm Reborn, then you have to do the story of Heaven's Word, and then you can do Stormblood. And this is why I don't get into MMOs. I no, was, see, that's that's, the first time that's for MMOs. Final Fantasy. World of Warcraft's fine, they just give you a level 100. You end up with two the moment you start the game. Okay. And I mean, I get that Final Fantasy fourteen. hopefully they implement something before their next expansion that lets people come up. Because I know Final Fantasy fourteen, like, the MMO space is crowded, but it's there are only few, very few successful MMOs, and that's World of Warcraft, Final Fantasy fourteen, and Guild Wars 2. Those seem to be the three, and Destiny, quote-unquote, but... Let's uh, forget RuneScape. Star Wars, yeah. RuneScape has their diehard following. <laughs> Star Wars: The Old Republic has their diehard following. And oh, yeah, Final Fantasy fourteen. It has a. The thing about it though is, it's popular enough in America, and also it's very popular in Japan. So they have combined. They have a fan base big enough where it's like, it's fine being that niche. MMO. Right, mm -hmm. but I mean, it's fine. It seems to be Final Fantasy fourteen is the homage to every Final Fantasy game that Final Fantasy fans want. I heard a lot of people complaining about Final Fantasy thirteen and the original release of Final Fantasy fourteen, and then they didn't play a Realm Reborn, and then they played Final Fantasy fifteen and were disappointed, but then went back and played Final Fantasy fourteen, and this is they said that is everything a Final Fantasy fan could have wanted out of the game. Yeah, I mean it. I. They perfected the whole turn-based combat, turn-place, real-time combat perfectly by just making it an MMO. You just have cooldowns. Okay. Like, you're running around, you're trying to do stuff, you have mechanics, like... That's... It's pretty much right. Okay, so... Up next, we're gonna have a roundup of all the E3 leaks slash early reveals, and this isn't everything... Um, but we have just a list of some of the highlights and some of the ones that I just found while looking around. But I mean, in the past two or three weeks, there have been probably between 30 and 40 games that have been announced to get ahead of E3. So they maybe have their audience, but their audience won't find them in the noise of E3. So they put out their announcement ahead of time. Mm -hmm. They're like, hey, here, or in... Like some of these, which I'll explain when I get to them, um, they just leaked out because those companies can't keep any secrets for anything. So we have Etrian Odyssey 5, which is coming over to the West. Um, Atlas announced that, and two other JRPGs are coming over to the West. Mm -hmm. a Sh uh, Shin Megami Tensei game and some other game. But it's, if you're an Atlas RPG fan... 
that's not just a Persona fan, and if you are into Etrian Odyssey or Shin Megami Tensei spinoffs, I suggest you look into those, or you probably already know about them. We have a game called Strange Brigade that was announced on the PlayStation blog. We have Swords of Ditto, which is an indie game that was announced ahead of time. Then we get into Ubisoft. Ubisoft announced Far Cry 5 ahead of time, has been building up to E3. There's going to be more for Far Cry 5 coverage at E3, but they announced it's going to take place in Montana? Yep, Middle America. We yeah. have Middle America, and it's the antagonists are white Christian males, so this is a triple-A game that is being developed where the antagonist is white Christian males who... Wow, I've yeah. seen the envelope. I like that. Yeah, so if you are interested in controversial things like that, or if you like Far Cry games, check out Far Cry 5. I feel like Far Cry 5 has a much bigger audience. Well, that and also... I think this is a good move to give it something like, to give it something, give it an edge in comparison to the other Far Cry games. I mean, Far Cry. I mean, Far Cry Three was good. Far Cry Three was good. Far Cry Four was good. Far Cry Primal was just a spinoff of Four that they added content to to make it a triple A, like a full game. Well, that's my point, though. It's like Far Cry Four felt a lot like more just more Far Cry Three. Right. And the, like this might Far Cry 5 might have something a little bit extra to that. Yeah. I feel like Far Cry Ubisoft has a problem where they get a series and start annualizing it and start running it into the ground. I feel like the story direction with this one is enough to pull it out of the tailspin. It was kind of in. Exactly. But speaking of Ubisoft annualized franchises um assassin's creed origins which was formerly known as assassin's creed empire has just been leaked left and right we know the name of the protagonist because of the gamestop shirt that someone took a picture of we know that it's officially called assassin's creed origins because of a target pre-order code someone had yep so yeah ubisoft is terrible at keeping secrets they blew the doors off far cry 5 to hopefully they also the they also make fun of that in Watch Dogs too. Yeah, they definitely. There's a point. There's an entire mission where you break into Ubisoft's office to basically leak a game. Well, there's parts in Assassin's Creed Four where you leak Ubisoft things. You're a yeah. Ubisoft employee. At the real world portions of Far Cry, not Far Cry, Assassin's, Assassin's Creed, Creed 4. Four, are they t- they reference the original Watch Dogs. They reference. So apparently Watch Dogs and Assassin's Creed take place in the same Ubisoft-connected universe, and they seem to be, the developers of those two games seem to know, like, they are able to poke fun at themselves. (laughs) And so, like I talked about earlier, they announced Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, Pokemon Pokemon Tournament DX, and speaking of 3D fighting games... They are releasing the arcade version of Dissidia Final Fantasy, Dissidia NT, on consoles, finally. So it's a Tekken 7 thing. Okay. Everybody who knows me knows that I love Dissidia and Dissidia Duodecim on PSP. To the point that I actually have Duodecim on my Vita. And the original (laughs) Dissidia, if those games had trophies, I would have platinumed them. I unlocked everything. I did everything there was to do in those games. I beat the story backwards and forwards. I beat it 
I beat it with all the characters. I beat every side mission. I unlocked all like the player icons. I unlocked everything in that game. So seeing that for years now, they the I follow the Square Enix Japanese account on mm -hmm. YouTube, and I see videos that they're constantly updating the arcade game. But I'm glad to see they announced that it's finally coming to consoles early next year. So not a super long wait. Right. That's always great to hear around E3, like early the next year. You know you have stuff for the rest of the year. Like I have Persona 5, I have Nier, I have Horizon, I have Zelda. I have a stack of games. And that's until September. Right. Then Destiny 2 is coming out. I'm going to lose my mind to that. And I still have to be the best there ever was at Overwatch, which I'll never be. With that uh, attitude, you will. Well, no. I have a positive attitude. The fact that I'm playing <laughs> right. I'm just being realistic. I quit. <laughs> yeah, there are so many I should have been like, mm. Never mind. Season 4 definitely was discouraging, but going into Season 5, it's been a lot better. And so... I don't know, I had a pretty good time Season 4. You did, because you didn't play as much towards the end. Yeah, I did. You... Oh, no, no, me and Madrid, we we try, we clawed our way trying to get me in the plat. We fought real hard to get me in the plat. <laughs> and we failed. We failed. You didn't Ooh. deal with the hell me and Chris had to go through after our placement matches during oh, spring yeah. No, I did not play any bronze silver game. It was me and Madrid trying to claw my way to plat. Yeah, so you guys were in high gold, low plat games, which is somewhere I'd much rather be than right. anywhere near si bronze or silver. Yeah, because uh, statistically, plat is around average. That's around where Jeff sits, one of the developers. Yeah. Like, plat's average. Yeah, Platt seems to be average, like, consistent players of the game. And that seems to be where I play the best, is playing against Platinum players. But when I'm playing on a team of completely brain-dead silver imbeciles, like a Soldier 76 who just emotes outside of the point and does his dad dance and says hello over and over again just so he stays active but doesn't go anywhere near the point, yeah. Yeah. When three people leave your team at the same time, and the other team still has a full six stack. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'd much rather be in Platinum than anywhere near where we are now. But, playing doubles, so. playing doubles seems to be working. It seems to be, we can synergize well, we can communicate well, we can coordinate plays, like, in duos. And I'm glad to see that. So... The last two games I wanted to talk about that were announced at that were announced ahead of E3, uh, Need for Speed Payback from EA, and The Crew 2 from Ubisoft. Well, Johnny's going to have something to do. Right. There are... I mean, I kind of wanted a new racing game. I don't I, know. I want Gran Turismo Sport, which supposedly... Mm, I well, used to play like a lot of Midnight City, a lot I, of I play, Need for Speed. I play a lot of Need for Speed, a lot of yeah. Midnight City, but it's like... I don't know. It's not Underground 2. I know. Right. And we Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is out. That's the racing game I'm going to play. Well. If, yes, honestly, if you give same. me a choice of any racing game, I'd play Mario Kart. Nah, I'm always down for Mario Kart. Exactly. wrong, but still. But I mean, I do like Gran Turismo. Like, I like my... I like Forza. I like Gran Turismo. I like... A little bit higher than like the bit. I don't want when I play Gran Turismo. I don't go all the way into the sim aspect of it. 
but I like the fact that the depth is there. Okay, right. so you, so you like see that's why I'm more for Need for Speed or Midnight Club because I like more of the arcadey. Well, Gran Turismo Five is the reason I know how to drive. I learned how to drive from playing Gran Turismo Five. I just got a Honda Civic in Gran Turismo and drove it around the Top Gear track. Damn. Right. I mean, and I learned how to drive. I would drive, like, a lot of times I'd focus on getting just daily driver cars in that game and just experimenting with them, learning how to drive, learning how handling's different on different kind of cars that I'd actually get my hands on. Like, I know a lot of people are in it for the super tuner, extreme, hyped-up, turbo championship edition cars, but... Me. I mean, it's a McLaren. I mean, come on. It's a McLaren. <laughs> to me, the fun part about that game is to see, like, they put a lot of detail into every car in that game. They do. And to be able to you play with it. You can appreciate the artwork and beauty that goes into the game. Right. You can appreciate the minutiae when you can drive yeah. the actual car and yeah. then drive it in the game and be and like... like what? This is exactly the same. They did their research. Right. And so that helps you appreciate when you can't really handle a Ferrari or something like that higher end why that's when it gets technical and that's when that game stops being fun because it is so like it's like a fighting it's like a fighting game you can get away in a lot of fighting games even when you're playing with your friends just by pressing the punch button to do your finger breaks right or you could learn your strings like a normal person with yeah and so you could either learn the super technical side of actual driving or you could just play Gran Turismo and have fun um, so that wraps it up for the games that were announced ahead of E3. So now we're going to talk about, uh, so Monday we have tickets to the 2017 PlayStation E3 experience. This will be my fourth year going to an E3 experience. Um, Jalen will be your second, second. year. Second. And Chris will be your second, second year. So you guys went with me last year. It was a lot of fun. It's basically what this is for people who don't know is PlayStation will broadcast their E3 press conference live to movie theaters. And so instead of you watching the E3 press conference at home getting hyped with you and a couple of friends, we go as a group of a couple of friends to a movie theater full of other PlayStation fanboys and just watch it like be in a room that everyone freaks out when Resident Evil 7 Biohazard is announced and everybody freaks out when Hideo Kojima comes down the oh, stairs. Like, shit. That crowd was hilarious. <laughs> right. That was loud. Being in an atmosphere like that is a lot it's as close as we can get to going to E three without leaving the city. Right. So ahead of last year, I think we recorded this episode, but I know we definitely never released it. But we oh, had a E yeah. three prediction. So, last year, I did a lot of quality of life predictions, and I ended up regretting that because I got absolutely no points. Like, I predicted, oh, PSN name changes, PlayStation VR, like, I don't, I don't remember my predictions from last year. I just remember that I just predicted a bunch of stuff that I really wish would have happened, and none of it did. In any way, shape, or form. I took a bunch of risks and literally did everything I wish would have happened, and they all happened. Yeah. yeah. Last year was a year of dreams for you. And I mean, <laughs> I would have hoped for Dissidia to get stage time, but the yeah. fact that they announced Dissidia ahead of time, and I mean, that is that a very niche game. I mean, yeah. yeah, but also it's one of those, like, all the. like Just like with Tekken 7, because Tekken 7, this is the update that came to the arcades. Yep. Everyone who really cares about Tekken 7. 
knew Tekken 7 was already there. Right. And everyone who really cares about Dissidia already knows about Dissidia. Right. And that's why, like, po- the Pokemon Direct dropped, because everybody who cares about Pokemon mm-hmm. is, like, they're like, okay, Pokemon, new character, all the arcade updates, there you go. And everybody already knew what that meant, who cared, and... Those people who care, Nintendo is going to have to sell that game off of the backs of those people. Yeah. Because how do you convince people who don't like Pokemon or Tekken to play a Pokemon, a Pokemon game made by the Tekken developers? You don't. Exactly. <laughs> but, that's, but that's, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Because for someone who likes Pokemon, Pokemon and Tekken... Put Swampert in it, make me happy, I'll buy that game three times. I don't think that game, that's going to happen. I know. And so... So I, I have that game really on the Wii U, and we can play it. I just need to get my hands on a Pro Controller again, since my Pro Controller broke. Alright, so getting into our final segment, our E3 predictions. Um, I have six here. We're going to do an average of five. Yeah, I only have five. Chris has five. Jaylen, no backups, if you can guess mine. Jalen has six now. Okay, so I'll start off. My first prediction, I got to go big. I just got a notification saying five days left for PlayStation's E3 press conference. The hype, like... (laughs) (laughs) All aboard the hype train! All aboard the hype train! I heard you were talking about this. Yeah. So, my first prediction, most of ours are PlayStation-centric, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not really. Mine are mostly games that are probably going to be on a PlayStation. Okay. So, mine are... Very PlayStation focused. Um, God of War, the new God of War. Oh, I'm that's definitely going to be shown. They they've already started painting uh one of the painting a building out in uh near the E3 with the God of War logo on it. It's like that's that's going to happen. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. back from our break. So my first prediction is the new God of War will be announced to release early to mid 2018. I see that game coming in, filling in their spring. It'll be around the horizon release date of this year. I really feel like PlayStation doesn't have to focus on the holiday season anymore. They can give God of War the time it needs. Let it come out April, May of next year. And just have it completely kill NPD for months. I, I see, I see that happening, but I would see it more as a February release. Well, that's February twenty eighteen, like still within my mid. early to mid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So February, between like January and let's say June or July. Right. That's I can early. See that. I'll see that. Okay, so Jalen, your first prediction. We're gonna see something. No, we're going to get a release date for Detroit Become Human. I'm thinking late 2018, early 2019. Okay. That game we've seen for a long time, but... Well, we got our first, like, real trailer for anything of it last year. Right. The David Cage game. Well, no, it was at the... We had a trailer. We didn't know what it was. No, no, no. They showed gameplay last year. That's what they did. Yeah. They showed actual gameplay. But we had a trailer for that game since... 
the PS4 reveal. We just didn't know it was that game. Yeah. Yeah, and I enjoyed Fahrenheit or Indico Prophecy. I didn't finish it. It was weird. I should have watched Twin Peaks before I played it. Don't watch Well, no. If you want uh, that game... <laughs> I'm in the middle of it and I'm freaking out. No, that's basically what that game is. Okay. Well, Detroit is more of a successor to Beyond Two Souls and Heavy Rain. So if you've played either of those... I mean, I've I played Heavy Rain. Heavy Rain. Yeah, I so played. if you loved Heavy Rain, you're going to like Detroit Become Human. Yeah, but it's like cool. the precursor to all of those is Indigo Prophecy. Because it's like... Indigo David Prophecy Cage. is like... Yeah, okay. that's like where David Cage started... Oh, really? Well, well, it started becoming a more manageable Why David Cage. Like some of the previous David Cage stuff is really weird. And also, this is like a sequel to a plot to an end of another game. It's really weird. It's David Cage being David Cage. Yeah. Alright, so Chris, your first prediction? I'm going to go uh, really like... My first prediction is this is the year that since VR has been out this is the year that PlayStation will at least show one, like, heavy hitter VR game that's going to sell the system to so many people. For the people who haven't jumped onto the bandwagon yet. So you're saying a first party Sony VR game? Yeah, first party Sony VR game that's like. I mean, we've got like three of those this year and it did nothing. We've gotten Starblood Arena, we've gotten Farpoint, we've gotten, like, they put well, out. Farpoint has just kind of recently come out. Yeah, but, but I, feel I mean, like it, the, it's good. They're gonna have the E three just like hype behind it to sell this game. Like they're yeah. gonna make this. A Did big Farpoint thing. have the E three hype train last year? I don't remember. Not as seeing much. It. Yeah, it was there, but it wasn't as big of a. It was in there like Star Wars and Call okay. of Duty, and they just ran through all of those back to back. Farpoint was in there. Okay. So my next prediction is Days Gone. We're gonna get that game before twenty nineteen. So they they're probably gonna say a date. Of holiday 2018. Okay. I feel like so we're getting we got Horizon earlier this year. We got Gravity Rush 2 earlier this year. We still have a lot of room for Gran Turismo Sport to move around in the rest of this year. Mm -hmm. Um. So then God of War is next on the slate, and then right out come out six months later with Days Gone and like get our momentum going because now Sony has started to figure out their first party. Yeah. So, like, we, before we get Bloodborne in February and, like, Infamous in March and weird stuff like that. But now it's like, okay, so they had Ratchet and Clank. They have, coming in to this year, they had Gravity Rush, which was first party, and Horizon, which was first party. And then now, going forward, I feel like Gran Turismo, we're going to have some point between now and the end of the year. Early 2018, God of War. Late 2018, Days Gone. Works. Alright. We're gonna see... I predict we're gonna see some Spider-Man. The Spider-Man game. I think that's really far off, but... I would say... I would say I, I see something for that game. I'm not gonna say, like, an actual release date, but we're probably gonna see some actual gameplay for that game during Sony. During cool. Sony's press conference. Okay. I think we're going to get a gameplay and or release date for Last of Us 2. I don't see either of those. I that, put a bet. Yeah. Yeah, I don't feel they that. They even tease that game. Uncharted The Lost Legacy is co or whatever the 
spinoff of Uncharted 4 is, mm-hmm. still isn't out. It's coming out later, and they still have to promote that. Naughty Dog is still working on that full-time until they're done with that, and that's out the door. And then they'll move on to full production of The Last of Us 2. I don't think that game is anywhere. Nah, I'm... 2019, 2020 at least. Right. That game is out there. It's going to be out there with Death Stranding. I don't think they would do it like that. The last first party, well, the last major first party game for the PS3 was The Last of Us 1. So why not make The Last of Us be the swan song of the PS4 as well? Yeah. Yeah, I don't see, there's no reason for them to rush that game. That game needs to be... Right. Yeah, that game doesn't that game needs Naughty Dog to be Naughty Dog to a full 10 for till that game comes out. All right, so is it on me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so my next one is that Destiny 2 is going to get an alpha on PS4. The same way we got a Destiny 1 alpha. That was um, only PS4. Yeah, that's that feels not, obvious. Not an actual alpha, but they're Like there's go- they're going to announce they're going to give us some form of here, get your hands on this product. They're either going to give us a date, the alpha, or whatever. Like, we're going to get something for Destiny from E3. Right. Like, they Destiny. already said the Arkstrider subclass is going to be playable there. Right. Like, we're getting something. Yeah, so E3 2014, I want to say, they announced, okay, hey, Destiny Alpha first on PS4, here are the dates, and here's when the Destiny beta is coming out and so they're probably going to be like hey destiny alpha ps4 only destiny beta for everybody here's the start date to pre-order yeah but i mean they eventually made it open yeah like how everybody who really needs a stress test does that's why destiny didn't launch it launched broken in certain ways but i mean day one minute one you were on the servers and playing so better than warcraft Right, so I feel like Activision and Bungie learned their less a lot of their lessons with Destiny One, and I feel like Destiny Two, they're just going to take a lot of the good things that led up to Destiny One and just do those again. Mm-hmm. Jalen, I feel like we're going to hear something from CD Projekt Red about Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, like something. Yeah, I feel like it's been really, really quiet. Well, they have the TV show coming out. They have Gwent. They have a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, but I feel like that's just something they're going to mention. Yeah, I feel, I'd be happy to... I'd love to see Cyberpunk 2077 at E3 this year. So, I'm not going to argue with you on that one, but I feel like, at the same time, I don't want to get my hopes up. Yeah. Because though CD Projekt Red is not going to rush anything. Yeah, at this point they're meticulous with their games, right? And they're still making money off of The Witcher Three. It's The Witcher Three, though, right? Right. And that's what I want people to be saying about Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, two and a half years after it comes out. Right. All right, Chris, your next prediction. I think we're gonna see something about Kingdom Hearts Three. Something about Kingdom Hearts Three. Yeah. I mean. I feel like it. Final Square Enix that. never learns its lessons. We saw so much of Final Fantasy versus 13 and then 15 and then... Yeah. Yeah. But they did say that 2.8 wrapped up the last of the story plot, so... Right, so it's yeah. time. They're, they're ready to go. Did they, they didn't develop anything new for 2.8. Yeah, they did. They did. That Aqua mission uh, and yeah. the three engines. So, I mean, now I feel like Kingdom Hearts... 
could all of these games could be this year could be great. We could see Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, Kingdom Hearts, God of War, Destiny. Like it sounds like a gr- amazing E three, and I'd be love to see all of these things. I mean, I hope it is because I feel like there was more. I feel like we were rolling in. This is like more of a quiet E three for me. It's like well, I don't. The Sony I have, side it is. Well, yeah, it's like I last year I feel like it was this huge rolling hype train going into E3 to refill before going off again. And here yeah. it's just like, there's not a lot that... But I mean, I, people are using their PS4s a lot more now. Yeah. Because Horizon, because of Nier, oh, because what, of Neo, because of... Oh, We've gotten exactly. so many exclusives this year. Kingdom Hearts 2.8. Like, we just keep getting... Things that just Microsoft's not getting. So, so many people are engaged with the PlayStation ecosystem. And so, I feel like this would be just a great year. No, that's why I'm saying it's most likely to be a great year. It's been quiet. Yeah. Like, it hasn't been like last year. It's like we came in talking about Horizon. We came in talking about. Yeah. So, my next prediction is. PS4 is going to have Red Dead 2, Red Dead Redemption 2 exclusive content. I feel All like right. Rockstar That's... owes Sony because of the agent. They announced however many years ago that was supposed to be a PS3 exclusive and that just never came out. So I feel like Rockstar owes Sony and everybody knows it. And I feel like for them to make good, just be like, hey, either something exclusive, something early, something. That's like PlayStation only. Here you go. Sorry. Yeah. Because I feel like we have to hear about Red Dead. They've ruled out everything about like Overwatch. Like we're not going to see Overwatch at E3. We're not going to see a lot. Like Blizzard isn't going to be at E3. But I feel like Rockstar could come out and make a huge... Like two years ago, they showed Grand Theft Auto Five on the PS4. Mm-hmm. At, during the PS4 press conference because PlayStation and Rockstar just go back so far. Like PS2, even PS1. Yeah. So I feel like Red Dead 2, we should get something exclusive on PlayStation. Okay. I feel like this is the year that Microsoft is going to try and pull us Capcom with Resident Evil 7. Like, they're... I feel that they're going to try and redeem themselves. So I don't know what they're going to announce, but I feel like Microsoft is going to announce, like, a big, mind-blowing thing. Like, I mean, they either have to or they have to start making consoles. Well, I mean, they're going to put out the Scorpio and they have to sell it. They've already confirmed they're not going to show Halo 6. Yeah, so, so they, I mean, they have to have something out there. Like, this is I the drought. Them, I want it to happen. The Wii had a better, wasn't, had a drought that wasn't as bad as Microsoft's. Microsoft's right. drought is bad. Right, and with PlayStation and PC just constantly getting releases week to week, getting great games. Like, this year, like, alone, Nier, Persona, Neo, like, all of these games, Kingdom Hearts 2.8, and then PC's getting stuff like... Little PC Nightmares. Got? Well, Little Nightmares is on everything, but like. But then you got like the. But then you also got like niche genres on the PC. Like you got AMV games are coming back. Yeah, that's what's going on in the PC world right now. So. Text adventures are coming back. Like, you just got people doing stuff. Right. Yeah. But I feel like the Xbox, 
platform is just they got Cuphead. Right now. <laughs> they got Cuphead, which is going to be Cuphead's on... Cuphead's in development hell. I hope not, because it's games for Windows, which means it's just going to be on my PC. Right. But that game, they've been talking about it for three years now? Yeah. And it hasn't come out. And they they talk less and less about it every year. So. All right, Chris, last prediction? All right, this one's out there. But I want to see a new Silent Hill game. Okay. Okay. It's, I feel like it's possible. I feel like after last year, after Sony's conference last year, anything's possible. When they start talking Resident Evil 7 Remake and Shenmue 3 and stuff like that, mm-hmm. yeah, we have to be, there has to be hope for a Silent Hill game. I don't see it because Konami still owns the rights to that game. Right, Konami can make it. Kojima's Konami's gonna to not going to make it because they're making more money than they ever have off pachinko machines. Hey, you never know, man. Sometimes you can feel want to feel good about yourself and make something great. Nah. All right, so my last prediction, I had six, but I'm going to fold my last two into one and kind of let my prediction play the field a little bit more. Um, we're going to get, like, a Spyro collection or, like, some Spyro games on PS4 or something because we're getting the Crash Insane Trilogy, and if they're like, oh, and one more thing... Because it's, Activision owns Crash and Spyro. They've been using them both in Skylanders, making money off of them there. Why would they let them put out the Crash trilogy and not do anything with Spyro? I like how you have the one prediction that guaranteed all three of us had. All three of us were thinking they're going to do a Spyro collection this year. Right. Like I I would not be. that. If that was the only good thing that they showed, I'd, be, I'd walk out happy. Yeah, I mean, it'd be great. Like, everybody wants the original three Spyro games. Right. Or, like, Crash Team Racing to PS4. Like, what something like that. Because we're getting Crash 1, 2, and 3 completely rebuilt from the ground up. So, right. we have I'm to get... so ready. I less feel, than a month. Yeah, less than a month. July 30th. June, June 30th. 30th. June 30th. We're getting uh, Crash 1, 2, and 3 completely rebuilt. All right, Jalen, last prediction. Okay, on the same vein as you, I feel like Capcom might just give me a Mega Man thing finally. Oh, yeah. Because... They announced uh, the collection, too. That, but also it's the fact that the whole reason we didn't have a Mega Man game for a long while is because the guy who made Mega Man and Capcom had a spat, and then he went and go, ruined his name with Mighty Number no. 9. Capcom could come in, make definitely make it so that they're the one... They're the good guys by dropping a good main series Mega Man game. Uh, I gotta have a get hype moment for that. If Colin, Colin talked about for years wanting to write a Mega Man game. If Colin writes a new Mega Man game, I'm so on board. <laughs> I'm a, I'd be on board if they just said new Mega Man, but I'm super on board if it's just Colin Moriarty was lead writer on Mega Man. What is it? Twelve. Well, yeah. depends. Depends. It's well, like it depends if you go on. Well, if it's Legends, it'd be Legends 3, but there's no way they would do Legends 3. I think it's going to be a brand new, from the ground up, Mega Man game. Okay, that'd be interesting. Yeah. You Maybe a mix one? of, like, from the first and the uh, last? No, that was the last one. No, not the last one, because the last one was, like... Well, no, okay, after, I mean, not like the, the Battle first Network generation stuff, none of the... to, like, Mega Man X, my bad. Okay. X, original There are X. theories flying around about an X collection, so... Yeah, I really feel Full like stable. Mega Man 
could do a lot. All right, Chris, did you have one more, or that was it for you? That was it. Okay. So, you guys ready to wrap it up? Yeah. Yeah. All right, this concludes this week's episode of the Cheesy Controller Podcast. Remember, you can follow us all on Twitter. I'm at Anton6 with three X's, so A-N-T-O-N-S-I-X-X-X. At Squid Bishop, exactly how it sounds. At City underscore is my church. Which we're going to have to make better. And then you can follow us collectively at oh, Cheesy sorry. Controller without the last E. So that's C-H-E-E-S-Y-C-O-N-T-R-O-L-L-R. There's no last E in there because of character limits. Um, special thanks to our executive producer, Josh Jones. And until next time, keep it cheesy.